Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Over the next hour, you'll have the opportunity to listen to Cynthia Hyatt, an internationally recognized therapist and life management expert in private practice with offices in Phoenix and Scottsdale. As a captivating communicator, Cynthia engages, energizes, and inspires her audiences to become all God created them to be. For more information on Cynthia's diverse background, log on to CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Let the next 60 minutes inspire, motivate, and encourage you to become your own best version. Now, here's Cynthia. Well, thank you for joining me today. I'm Cynthia Hyatt. This is Conversations with Cynthia. And I'm so glad that you're joining me. I have a show today that I think that you will enjoy. I do have to give you a little bit of a warning. It's kind of a deep topic, and it's not always the most comfortable. But it is certainly life-changing if you apply the principles and if you kind of begin to understand the concept. So it's one of my favorite ones, and in fact, I wrote a book about it. So a lot of what you're going to hear in this is, some of this is in the book that I wrote, but some of it is also for the message that I had have given on this particular topic. So I want to encourage you to always visit the website. You can hear the show in its entirety. If you can't listen to the entire thing, you can also um, find my book on the website or on Amazon.com. And my book is now Audible. It's on Audible Books, and I recorded it myself. So I hope that, that you will enjoy that as well. So this show today is called The Phoenix in Me. And I know that sounds kind of abstract, and I kind of intended for it to be. Because I really want to talk about this whole idea of dying and coming back to life. And so it's so appropriate, because we live in Phoenix, that we we look at this mythological creature called the Phoenix. And obviously, we we do not believe in myths, and that's not what we're talking about today. We're, we're seeing it more as an allegory, which is what it was intended to be. And And what we do know is that there's some theories that propose that myths really began as allegories. You know, we have allegories, analogies, metaphors. And, and this is because they were trying to explain a natural phenomenon to people that were not educated at all. And so it, it, it's kind of uh, that myths began as allegories for um, philosophical or spiritual concepts. So those concepts that were very esoteric, very um, deep, very difficult to make natural and to, to help people that don't, do not have an educational base. So metaphors and analogies still help me tremendously with really big picture concepts and esoteric spiritual principles, even though I do have education. So, so they are very, very helpful when we are teaching. And so the use of that kind of it helps us understand a bigger, deeper, more complex principle. So, of course, it's not the gospel, and, um, and we're not using it as the gospel. It's just a teaching method, the same way we use fairy tales or fables or how, how Jesus used parables. So when we look at this, this whole phoenix bird, it was, you know, this, this living bird that cyclically regenerated and then was reborn. And, and it's one of the things that we look at, that this legendary bird dies, decomposes, and then is born again. And according to some texts, the phoenix bird could live like 1,400 years before it was re- had its rebirth or whatever. So when we look at this and we understand, wow, this really amazing concept of dying and being reborn, and that even in what we would say maybe the secular world, it was already kind of 
being talked about. This is year, thousands and 2,000 years ago, 3,000, 4,000, however old this phoenix bird is. And so it's fascinating to think about the fact that this concept of dying and being reborn was really built into the creation of God's universe, that this is, this is what he has been living and dying to do and helping us to do. And so I want you to think about this, this idea that the crucified life is vastly different than being living dead. And I don't know about you, but there have been times in my life when I did walk around like the living dead. I mean, I was, I was there in body, but spiritually, maybe emotionally, relationally, kind of feeling dead. And so it's, it's this very powerful concept of understanding that if I'm really going to follow along in God's design, then something is going to be needing to die in me on a regular basis. Some are big deaths, some are little deaths. And it's that process of change that causes us to really be who God originally intended for us to be. When he created us, when he thought about us, he had that idea of us, and he wants to spend eternity with us. So he is having to constantly overcome the death of sin, and the antidote for the death of sin is death itself. And so we see this idea, and so I I pose this question to you. I say to you today, what has to die in order for you to live, to truly live, to really live the abundant life God has called you to live, what has to die? What is going on in your life that has to die? And so this idea of being born again, we see in, in Luke seventeen thirty three. it says, if you will cling to your life, you will lose it. And if you let your life go, you will save it. And if we look at it in the NIV version, it says, whoever tries to keep their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life will preserve it. So I know that naturally I am hardwired to work toward the things that I want to make happen and to resist letting go or letting something die. It's tough. It's tough. And, and I like this quote by Albert Einstein. He's one of my favorite of all times. And he says, God always takes the simplest way. I want you to think about that. God always takes the simplest way. So what God is saying to us is as painful as this death process is, it is the simplest way to get you to where you need to be to be having the abundant life God called you to have and God has created you to have. And so it's this trust issue with God that we say, God, it's your way, your will, amen. I leave it at that. Your will, your way, amen. Let it be done. Let it be so. That's the way it is. And so I say again to you, what has to die in order for you to live, to truly live? And so let's look at at, um, this verse in Matthew, chapter 16, verses 25 and 26. And this says, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. And in verse 26, it says, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? What can anyone give in exchange for their soul? So what we're seeing with those two verses together is that this idea of what am I doing to keep my life happening versus losing my life to Christ, letting my life go, letting that die, letting that 
whatever it is, my goals, my aspirations, my dreams, the sin that I have in my life, maybe even some of the things that are good. What am I hanging on to? Because in in a sense, that's me. I'm going to lose my soul. I'm going to forfeit my soul. Because I will gain all that I want to have. And I will end up losing my very soul. And so the second verse, which is Revelations 20, uh, I'm sorry, Revelation 12, 11. And this is the new uh, American abbreviated version. And it says, they conquered him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Love for life did not deter them from death. That's, I mean, that's powerful. That's amazing. They conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Love for life did not deter them from death. So the thing I'm encouraging you about today is to say, you are conquering sin and death, the enemy, by the blood of Jesus Christ who died for you. And the word of your testimony. And that's your story. That's what God has done for you. That's what Jesus has done for you. And your love for your own life did not deter you from your willingness to die, just as Jesus did, so that you would be born again and be made new and be made into the person that God originally designed. So I want to give you, I, I, I really do like sports. And uh, Sports Illustrated, November 12th, 2001, had world's greatest comebacks. And guess who was the number one greatest comeback? This is Sports Illustrated said this, Jesus Christ, greatest comeback in history. What an example that Jesus sets even for nonbelievers, that he would be on the cover of Sports Illustrated. He would be, they had top 10 greatest comebacks, and Jesus Christ was considered the number one greatest comeback. And so we want to really be living the life that Jesus has lived and continues to live through us. And that means that we continue to come back. And that's what we see in that that myth of the phoenix bird. It comes back. See, we can look at other... The the reason I I thought about the phoenix bird is that this one actually dies. A lot of other creatures and and processes we see in nature are ones that transform or or have a metamorphosis. Like we see the caterpillar to the butterfly. We see the, the little seed to the mighty oak. And those are more transformations. It's more of a metamorphosis. The phoenix bird dies. Jesus died. And we are to die so that we will become born again. So I loved that, that, that they, would have, uh, they would have enough courage to say Jesus Christ is the greatest comeback of all time. And that, that he continues to set the bar for the world. And so I want to start also with you really recognizing this very powerful verse, and this is Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. And I love this verse, and, and I, I have memorized that it. it's one of my life verses because it is so amazing. And this says very clearly in Isaiah, it says, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the desert. And the Message Bible says it even in, in a more um, current way. It says, forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. Be alert 
Be present. I'm about to do something brand new. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? There it is. I'm making a road through the desert and rivers in the badlands. So that's the message for us today. We've got the Revelations 12, 11 that tells us that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony, and we don't love our life to the point that we refuse death. And we've got the Luke and the Matthew verses about whoever will lose their life gains their life. And if you don't, you're losing your soul. So this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we continue to learn about this phenomenal process that the Phoenix bird goes through. Well, welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt. Glad you're joining me today. And we are talking about this amazing mythological creature called the Phoenix Bird. And please do not think that I am thinking that this is somehow a a spiritual endeavor or a gospel message in the Phoenix Bird. It is simply an allegory or, or an analogy, a metaphor. And so the Phoenix Bird is that great myth that really back, um, 3,000, 4,000, maybe even years ago, was attempting to really help us understand a very deep spiritual phenomenon and this idea of needing to die and being born again. And interestingly enough, there are some references in um, the Jewish Bible for the Phoenix bird. It's in Job, I think it's 2319, where it talks about uh, Job saying, I will die in my nest and my life will be like the sand. And so it's this idea that he, he goes down, he dies in, in the depth of, of who he is, and he comes back and his life is like sand, which means thousands and thousands of pebbles versus just one. And so it's a phenomenal concept to think about this idea of dying and being reborn. And if you're just joining in, we've been talking about this, this idea of this dying process and what has to die in order for you and I to truly live. What is the... the what what is encumbering me? What what is what is uh, weighing me down? What's causing me not to be who God has called me to be? And and obviously a lot of that we know is sin. Sin does that more than anything else. But there's also other things that get in our way that that don't allow for us to truly be who who God has intended for us to be. And it's this idea of letting go of those things that that are weighing us down that are getting in the way. And we looked at that verse in um, Luke chapter 17, verse 33, and it says, whoever keeps, tries to keep their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life will preserve it. And I love then this, this idea in Matthew 16, this is 25 and 26, it says, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. And what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? What can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Well, what we do know is that we can lose our soul if we cling to our life. If we cling to our life in the way we want our life to be and the things that we want to possess, we, we in a sense, sell our soul for the very life that we've decided to have, which is very anti-Christ in nature because we want to have the life that Christ has died for us to have. That means that 
that I die, Christ lives in me, and I then become who God originally designed for me to be. So that I will then do the things that God has called me and created me to do. And so we talked all about this idea, that this or not idea, but I would say this, this um, awareness that Sports Illustrated in uh, 2001 did a whole entire section on the world's greatest comebacks, and they decided Jesus Christ was the number one greatest comeback. So we have Jesus giving us an example repeatedly as to how we do this process and knowing that he goes with us in this process and how kind it is that he went before us and did it first. And so when you think about this idea, what has to die in order for you to live? I mean, that just hits me like a ton of bricks because dying is permanent. And death ends something that was once alive and maybe even thriving. Yet not all things that live in us are meant to be there or to be a part of our purpose. I mean, I'm thinking of addictions and unhealthy attitudes, resistance to change. Maybe you can think of your own examples for your own personal life. But these are the things that are stifling the part of us that is meant to live and to thrive and fulfill God's plans for us. And we see that in Jeremiah 29, 11. God says he has plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. I mean, wow, those are huge words. Prosper, hope, future, no harm. I mean, these, these words are truly what an abundant life is. And what we do know is that the world around us is less than ideal. And so this dying process for us to truly live It's not something we can do on our own. However, our great God has gone before us and knows the way. And he doesn't grow tired, doesn't grow weary, and he understands that suffering, there's suffering through this process and that that death produces life, abundancy. And he also promises us comfort through that suffering. I I love Psalms 138.8. It says, The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. And that is a great comfort to me to know when I'm having to go through things that are so painful and so hard and so grievous that God says to me, he is going to fulfill the purpose in me and that he is the great comforter. That he comes along beside me, he is in me, and he walks it out with me. And he encourages me. And we see that in Psalms you know, the 23rd Psalms, it says that, he, you know, we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but we do not have to fear evil because the Lord is with us. And so when you think about the shadow of death, you have to remind yourself that the only way there's a shadow is if there's light. So when I'm in that dying process and that there's the shadow of death that is around me, of the thing that is dying, God is also there in the light with me. And he's going with me through those hard times. And before you know it, he brings alongside someone else who's going through hard times so that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. And so when we get those people that come alongside of us when we're going through hard times, it gives us the opportunity to know that God's going to use us to do that same thing. And we have plenty of hard times that come from following the Messiah. But no more so than the good times of his healing comfort. And we get a full measure of that. And you can find that in 2 Corinthians. That's chapter 1, 3, and 5. 
where God really talks about the comfort that we need and we get from others that have gone through hard times as well. And that gives us comfort to give to other people as they go through those hard times. So as we're, we're looking at this verse in Isaiah, and that's the verse we ended that first segment on, and this is Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. And it says, forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. Be alert, be present. I'm doing something brand new. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? There it is. I'm making a road through the desert and rivers in the badlands. And I really believe that someone really needs to hear this as I speak this, that this is really for you. That God is saying to you, forget about what's happened. Forget about it. Even if it was great, he's saying, I'm doing a better thing than what I did back there. And if it's terrible, he's saying, I'm doing a new thing. So forget about it. Move on. Be with me as I move forward. I'm moving on. Be with me. So he's saying, be alert. Be present. I'm about to do something new. Don't you see it? So I want you to be looking for those new things that God is doing. Where he is making roads in the desert. Where he's making a road and a way where there never was, seemed to be a way. And he's bringing rivers in the badlands. That means he's bringing provision for you as you are going through this. So I want to encourage you um, to certainly, if you are just tuning in, that you can listen to this show in its entirety on the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. And that's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T. You can also find portions of uh, this show in the book that I've written, which is called God Wants You Truly Living, Not Walking Dead. It's also on an audible version that I recorded myself, so I think you'll enjoy that. So join me again in this next segment as we talk about the phoenix in me. Well, welcome back. This is Cynthia Hyatt, and you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia on 1360 KPXQ Faith Talk Radio. Glad you're joining with, uh, me today. And if you are just joining in, I want to encourage you to visit the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. And on that um, website, if you click the radio tab or link, all the shows that, that we do here on the station are um, on that website. And there's, I think there's over 100 shows now that you can pick from, excuse me. And so this particular show will be up as well. And this show today is certainly a tough topic. It's not an easy one to do. And it really is talking about the crucified life and how different that is than living dead or walking dead. And I spoke in the first part of this hour on the fact that, you know, I certainly had times in my life where I felt like the living dead, the walking dead. And I certainly was there in body but emotionally, relationally, spiritually, not there, checked out. I mean, we've all had really hard times. And one of the things that I have personally learned from a lot of those hard times was this whole dying process, this whole willingness to let go, to practice acceptance, and, and to really understand that when Jesus actually does something and does it as big as he did, with his crucifixion and resurrection, that he means business, that this really is the way to live. This is really the way to an everlasting life and to a life of abundance here on earth. And that I have to understand the dying process 
for me to truly live. And so we look at Jesus in a new light when we actually realize that, wow, he's not necessarily asking me, obviously, to die a fatal death and be resurrected. If I die a fatal death, I will be resurrected in heaven, thankfully. But Jesus leads the way naturally, spiritually, emotionally, relationally. So when he's saying that you have to die in order to live, we look at his life because he is the example. And he's not just the example of how to love others and to treat others, but he's also the example of how to die to oneself to actually gain life. Jesus is the consummate servant leader. I mean, he really leads the way by example. He doesn't just teach a concept. He walks it out fully and completely before ever asking us to do it so that we can know that he knows exactly what it's like in spades. I mean, he knows, he knows it to the nth degree. And so he can be with us while we are walking through it. And so there has to be a dying process for us to truly live. And, that, and, and we left, uh, you know, on, on this verse of 43, Isaiah 43, 18 and 19, that talks about that very thing and encourages us to look forward to the future, to know that God's doing a new thing, and he's doing a new thing today. And that we have to let the past be the past. And one of the things that I am frequently teaching about time is that the past has to truly be the past, because if the past is in my present, then it dictates my future. And so God is constantly saying, forget about it. Forget about it. My mercies are new every morning. It's a new day. And so he writes into and builds into his creation, this idea of dying. And we see it just in 24 hours. We know that Monday has to die in order for Tuesday to come. Imagine how crazy it would be if the days never died, if they all just were simultaneously happening as we're trying to do our new day. Well, that's some of what some of us live like when we continue to let the past be alive and then try to do the day that we're in. It's the same way as if the days never ended and the new day kept starting and we kept having all the old days impinging on our new day. So it's imperative that we say, okay, God, I need to forget about the past, even if it was great, that God can still do something bigger. He can still do something better. And we see this in Ecclesiastes, the third chapter. And the paraphrase is, there's a time to be born, a time to die, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to tear down a time to build up. There's a time for everything. And there is a time for our past to be the past in order for us to really take hold of the future that God has for us and the abundant life. So I want you to think about what has to die when it comes to your past. Is it your your guilt? Is it your shame? Is it reliving the past? Is it going through all the coulda, shoulda, woulda, if only then? Is it not being willing to forgive others or forgive yourself? Is it, is it not willing to try new things because you made mistakes in the past, so now you're, you've made a vow that you're never going to try again? You're just going to do what's in front of you, and you're just going to hope it works out? See, God is doing a new thing, and he's constantly making you into a new person if you will let him. And he wants you to have the abundant life. And he wants you to enjoy the life he gave you as well, knowing that hardship will be a part of it. So this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. We have one more segment. 
So join me again as we talk about this concept of the phoenix in you, the phoenix in me. And if you can't listen to the rest of the show, please visit the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. Welcome back. This is Conversations with Cynthia, and I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and you are listening to 1360 KPXQ Faith Talk Radio. Thank you for joining me today. And if you're just tuning in, we are talking about this idea of the crucified life and what that really means. And we were looking at this mythological creature called the Phoenix Bird, and how appropriate is that? Because here we are in Phoenix, and this is this is different than when we look at things like the caterpillar to the butterfly or the mighty, you know, the seed, little seed to the mighty oak, the phoenix bird is the only one that actually died. It's not like a metamorphosis or a transformation. And so this is similar to, this is like a a really, like a cool allegory or metaphor or analogy, however you want to, to understand it, as to what Christ has done. That there is this dying, complete dying and resurrection. And that God wants to really do that in our life. He wants to purge those things that are like death that we keep bringing into our everyday life. And we left off in the last segment talking about the past and that wonderful verse in Isaiah that says, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? And I want to encourage you today to really know that that maybe this is a prophetic message for someone that really needs to hear that God is saying, please forget about the past. Forget about it. I'm doing a new thing. Don't you perceive it? So I want you to look for that new thing that God is doing for you and how much he is with you and walking it out for you and with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He is the friend that sticks closer than a brother. He is that that light that is in the shadow of of death when we walk through that valley, that he is always present and he's always with us. And we can trust the dying process, that if God is asking you to let some things go, if he's asking you to actually kill some stuff off in your life and to say, this has to end, this cannot go forward with me. I have got to put this in my past and let it be there and let it stay there. I want to encourage you on that. And Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, this is in the Message Bible. I really like it. It says, I don't think the way you think. The way you work isn't the way I work. For as the sky soars above the earth, so the way I work surpasses the way you work. And the way I think is beyond the way you think. Well, isn't that the case when it comes to a dying process? I mean, who wants to die? You know, can't we just like live? Do we have to actually go through a dying process in order to live? But we do see in John 10.10, and this is the version of the voice, it says, the thief approaches with malicious intent, looking to steal, slaughter, and destroy. I came to give life with joy and abundance. And so what we see God saying is, look, I don't do it the way you do it. You're going to have to trust me on this. My thoughts aren't aren't your thoughts. I don't think like you think. My process for you is different than what you can conceive of. And if you don't trust me, you will end up trusting the enemy of your soul. And he comes with malicious intent to steal, slaughter, and destroy everything I'm making in your life. That's what God says to us. 
He's saying, I need you to trust me on this process. Because if you don't, you're going to trust your way, which is similar to the enemy's way in our fallen, in our fallen nature. And that way only steals, slaughters, and destroys. So it's imperative that we trust God and we say, okay, God, I don't understand your ways. I don't understand what you're doing. I don't want to go through this process. I don't want to let this thing die. Maybe it's a relationship that has to end. Maybe it's letting go of, of unforgiveness. Maybe it's trying a new thing. Maybe it's saying, I need to hope again. Maybe I'm needing to trust again. I need to, I need to die to mistrust. I need to die to my negativity. Maybe I need to, to really actually accept that God loves me and is fond of me and has good things for me and approves of me. Maybe I need to die to the way that I think. Maybe I need to die to a prejudice, an addiction, whatever it might be. Maybe I just need to grow up, right? Maybe we just need to grow up a little bit. And so we see this process that when, when we look at this idea of change, that God is saying we're changing, we're transforming, we're metamorphosizing, and we're dying. And I like another, I'm going to give you another saying about Albert Einstein, because he is my favorite, other than Jesus, of course. He says, I must be willing to give up what I am in order to become what I will be. How powerful is that? He's actually just saying what the scriptures are saying. I have to give up those things that are getting in the way of me becoming who God really has for me to be. I can't take all of that with me into tomorrow, into the future. God is saying those things have to stay. Those things have to stay in the past. And so we see this in Galatians 2.20. It says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me, gave himself for me. So we, we see that Christ showed us the example and then is willing to walk it out with us as well. And he says, I'm giving you a new life, a new life in your flesh that is new. And I'm going to walk that out with you. And you're needing to have faith in the fact that I know how to do it because I've done it myself, and I know how to do it in you. And so we have three kinds of changes that occur. This is part of that dying process. There's lots of changes, and one of them is the change that we generate, and maybe that's a choice of what has to die. I'm choosing, um, I don't know, to break up with, with someone. I'm choosing to change jobs. I'm, I'm choosing to quit a, a, a bad habit. Um, I'm choosing to get a handle on my, my eating plan or, or exercise or how I take care of my body. You know, I'm choosing to let that, let that issue go and forgive that person. And so that's a change that I'm generating. It can be positive as well. It can be the change that I'm saying, you know, I'm, I'm deciding to get married, which means I have to die to being single. And I frequently tell couples in my office, you cannot be single and married at the same time. So there is a death process with this wonderful idea of marriage. So I get to have this wonderful, cool new thing, but I have to let go of some things that I had. So it's, it, it can be a positive. It can say, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm going back to school. How wonderful is that? That's a wonderful new change. But with that comes a different, different schedule, different workload. 
So we have a change that we generate. And then there's the change that is inevitable that causes some dying as well. And that's growing up. Well, that's, that's uh, launching our children. That's letting go of the nuclear family so that we can let those kids go and have their life. That's um, graduating from college. That's losing weight. And what does it feel like? Wow, now I have a totally different body. I have to get used to that. And so that change, if I, change, if I do this eating plan, the inevitable change is I will lose weight. Well, what does that mean? Is that more pressure? Is that uh, is more expectation on me? Does that mean I have to really continue to keep that lifestyle change for the rest of my life? So there's that change that's inevitable. It's the aging process. It's um, the fact that summer is coming and there's nothing we can do about it. And I don't know about you, but I've lived here a very long time, and every summer I think is the hottest summer on the planet. I think it's the hottest summer we've ever had. So the summer is inevitable, and it is coming, and that requires me to change so that I prepare for that, so that I live with summer. And there's the third one, and that is the change that is thrust upon us. That's when we don't choose. That's the death of a loved one, 9-11, a terminal illness, a change that's thrust upon us. Maybe I won the lottery. Wow, that's huge. So we have these types of changes that, that we have to really understand that we are part of that process and how well we do it has everything to do with the abundance in our life. And so we have these two types of deaths and they come with these changes. And there's the death of a good thing for the better and there's the death of the thing that is killing me. And so the good thing for the better is, well, maybe uh, letting go of being single and getting married. But what we see is if I don't stop being single and I try to stay married, it will then be the death of the thing that is now killing me. It will be like a parasite. It will be insidious. It will kill that marriage. So I have the death of a good thing. That's, that's losing weight. That's quitting an addiction. That's maybe getting a new job. That's, um, you know, that, that. So I'm letting go of those other things so that I can have a better thing. That's the caterpillar becomes the beautiful butterfly. And that seedling, that oak seed becomes the mighty oak tree. And so our children, as sad as it is, they launch and they, have, they go on to have their life and do their life well. That's what our prayer is. And then we have the death of the thing that's actually killing me. And that, that is an addiction. That is hatred. That's unforgiveness. That's bad habits. That's not choosing to let God change me. That's not living the crucified life. That will inevitably kill me, even if it doesn't kill me physically. It will kill the hopes and dreams God has for me. And so we need to really understand this whole process. And it helps me to understand when I'm going through this process, wow, is this, is this the change that I chose? So I need to maybe adjust my attitude because I'm the one that chose it. Or is this a change that got thrust upon me and I may need to get my, my head around it because I didn't ask for it. But this death, the thing that's killing me, I like this um, analogy. And this is Numbers 21.9 in the voice. And it says, So Moses took some bronze and cast a likeness of those vicious snakes to serve as an antidote for anyone who has been bitten. If they were to look on the bronze serpent, they would then live. So I'm sure you remember this story. It's the Israelites wandering around in the desert. They were doing a whole bunch of stuff that was just disgusting that God was angry about, gossiping and stealing and idolatry and all kinds of things. And so God sent down venomous snakes that bit them, and they were dying. And so what they said to Moses was, please, please talk to God. Ask him to help us. This is killing us. This is terrible. 
So I, I was often, I thought, this is strange that God would put a, tell Moses to put a snake on a pole, and if they looked at the snake, they would live. But then I thought, you know, not really. Because, see, those venomous snakes is what was killing them because of their behaviors. And all they had to do was look at it. So God is saying this many times. I just need you to look at this with me. You need to face this. You need to face that this thing has to die. And if it doesn't, it will kill you. And it's hard to do that. We all have things in our life that we are hanging on to, that we have a hard time letting go of. And God is saying, we need to look at this. And I want to encourage you today to look at these things with God, to look at your life and know that he's a loving God, a kind God, and he's not looking on these things to condemn you. He's wanting to save you. He's wanting you to have the abundant life that he intended for you. So many times that means we need to go through the the grief and loss process, which is that whole shock, denial, bargaining, anger, sadness. And then we get to acceptance and forgiveness. So if you find yourself in denial, that's part of we need to look at it. The bargaining means I don't want it to end. I, I, I want to let go of a piece. I'll let go of a piece of it, but I want to keep another part of it. And God is saying, stop bargaining with me. This thing has to go. And then there's an anger piece like, this isn't fair. That's not right. How come I have to go through this? How come I have to deal with this? How come I have to let go of this? And then there's sadness, which is always appropriate. Until we get to acceptance, which is that metamorphosis piece. Well, I hope this was encouraging to you today. And I wanna I wanna read this one more verse to you. It's Revelations twenty one four, and it says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. And that is our hope. And that is where we're going to be, and that is what God is ultimately doing. And so in the process, he is going to be wiping away your tears. And he will be helping you with the pain. But he has good things for you. Good, good things for you. So I hope this was encouraging. I want to make sure you visit the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. Also like my Facebook page on Cynthia Hyatt, Inc. That's INC for Incorporated. If you need a keynote speaker, please contact me through the website. Have a blessed week. You're listening to 1360 KPXQ Faith Talk Radio. And always, Jeremy, thank you for doing such a great job as my producer. Have a great week. We'd like to remind listeners that this show isn't a replacement for professional counseling or therapy. The messages and teachings shared during this show are given as a way to teach listeners with ideas and insights about how to become your own best version. Cynthia is available as a keynote or guest speaker for corporate or spiritual events. To contact Cynthia, go to CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, you can hear a replay at any time at faithtalk1360.com. Join us again next Sunday at 4 p.m. for Conversations with Cynthia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ.